are good to go. With more of the Matt Wyatt Show. Coming to you direct and live. Here we go. Ba-ba, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Yes, that sounds great. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. It is a Thursday. I would like to confirm with you that it is a Thursday in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. Your hometown heroes, that's your local Farm Bureau insurance agents all around the state. There is a reason that I said right off the bat that I would like to confirm that it is Thursday, and that is because I woke up this morning not just wondering, not just confused, but totally and utterly convinced. I'm talking about from the time I woke up for hours, 100% convinced today was Friday. It is, in fact, not. Hey, B. Beaver, have you ever genuinely been confused about what day it was? Yes, 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 many times. In fact, there was a period recently, somewhat recently, where I would say for like a month straight... (laughs) I thought every Wednesday was a Thursday. I'm not kidding. <laughs> it's just funny to hear it that way. It does happen. And doesn't isn't it the oddest feeling to to stand there and go, I was completely convinced it was another day that it isn't. It's just it it threw me for a loop. But here's the bad thing about it, Beaver. I was even this morning, like I've I've got different appointments and meetings and things that, you know, I've got to schedule with different people over the next several days including friday and the weekend and monday and travel and everything and i started even texting people making arrangements and stuff all based on the fact in my head that today was friday (laughs) i thought there was one appointment i was gonna have to miss and i was already rescheduling it because i thought today was friday so i don't know how that happens or why it happens i do have a little teeny tiny theory that it must have something to do with the fact that football is getting closer. And and for the entire week, I have been in preview mode, as you have, whether you're on the live stream, on Facebook, YouTube. Hey, to y'all, come to your comments in just a bit. Uh, if you're on the country, please, and text on. We're all in preview mode, right? Uh, we're still previewing high school football. You, you don't have the regular season yet. You're going to have jamborees on Friday. Now, MAIS has started, but you're previewing college football. Even though we've got preseason games in the NFL, we had some. We're going to have another one tonight. It's still preview mode. And that's why these few weeks in August are always, I think, the longest weeks of the year for the for us in this part of the country because, one, football won't hurry up and the anticipation really starts to build. And then once the game starts, it's like the season's over like that, but time flies because we're having fun. But then also, on top of the, the season won't hurry up and get here, it's usually, mostly, brutally hot. Now, I know we've talked about weather a lot this week and how we got a little break the last few days, but it is going to get hot again. So, anyhow, maybe that's the reason I was convinced this Friday. It is, in fact, Thursday in the Bureau. Now, before we go any further, I'm going to set you up with this because I have something I want you to hear. I had a chance 
uh, just a little while ago to sit down and have a conversation with someone who has been a defensive coordinator very recently in the SEC and around here and has been a head coach at the Group of Five level here recently and has been a head coach at the Power Five level here very recently. Uh, it's all one person. And the, the main reason I was talking to him is this question that has come up about Mississippi State's offensive line. There seems to be some chatter. Last night, a buddy of mine, who I, we live in the same town, I get a message from him and a link, and he's sending me different tweets and different things and a link to read uh, where there's this discussion going on saying, hey, look, man, can you shed any light on this for me? He's a huge fan, always asking for info. <laughs> he says, can you shed any light on this for me? You know, you've got some analysts out there who he showed me have apparently said State's offensive line, Mississippi State's offensive line, may struggle, especially out of the gates, because of this offensive transition. Going from you're in an air raid scheme, you're passing all the time, you're up in a two-point stance, you know, you're out here pass blocking on an island, wide splits, to now more typical. We're back in close splits, we're run blocking more, and the idea that, you know, you can practice it all you want to, but they're going to struggle. And then the argument on the other side of that is, well, it ain't that you know much different. You're just running it more, but the run schemes are kind of the same run schemes, a lot of it anyway. Just you got to work out the splits, tighter splits. And you argue, well, State's got all these veterans. I mean, all of them, six, seven guys in their top eight are seniors and grad seniors. And that's, that's, a, that's a fact. So there just seems to be a little back and forth going on. So I thought today, well, I want to talk to somebody who not only has coached at that level, but has also been through a transition like that, where you, you come in and you go from transition from one type of scheme, just totally overhaul it into another type of scheme. And so that's what I got right here. This is a conversation I just had, like just a few minutes ago, with Jeff Collins. He is the former defensive coordinator at Mississippi State. Uh, when Dan Mullen was a head coach, he then became you know defensive coordinator at Florida. He then became the head coach at Temple. And most recently, up through last year, he was the head coach at Georgia Tech. Jeff Collins, the you know originator of the quote-unquote psycho defense at Mississippi State. And he touches on it right here. Let's listen to the interview, and then we'll come back and get your thoughts on it. Here's that conversation with Jeff Collins. Really do appreciate some time. So I want to talk line of scrimmage. Sure. Our, our friends up on the line of scrimmage, who they are the reason wins and losses happen, but we all pay attention to quarterbacks, you know. And State's got a good one. <laughs> and they do, and it's a big part of it. But there's been a conversation going on about State's offensive line transitioning from air raid to a more typical kind of, you know, spread, spread option, run just on the surface, when you see that, what are your thoughts about an offensive line making that transition? Yeah, and it's it's uh, you know it's always an interesting conversation. Um, you know, I've gone through it in my career as as a head coach. The the transition from a heavy run to more of a balanced uh, attack, and uh, you know, over in Starkville, they're doing the the opposite of that. It's a air raid, uh, pass heavy offense. Uh, a lot of the runs were predicated off of draw schemes as well. Um, so, so a heavy emphasis on pass and draw and those kind of things. Um, and then I've known Kevin Barbet 
I guess it's going on eight years now because uh, he and I were together at Florida with Jim McElwain and, uh, you know, think very highly of him and what he's done as an offense coordinator, especially the last two years. And, uh, you know, I think the thing that does help over in Starkville is they do have, uh, what, four returning starters across the line. And even though they were, you know, a big half pass emphasis, uh, you know, offense, I think one of the biggest things is the mentality shift. You know, I, I think because I've watched Kevin a bunch, a lot of three-point stance, a lot of play action and downhill run, stretch, inside zone, gap scheme. And I think a lot of that, you know, comes with obviously the shift in the fundamentals, uh, the shift in executing out of a more of a three-point stance. Uh, but I think the the shift in mentality where we're going to run the ball and build play actions off of it to set up some explosive plays, um, you know, I watched a bunch of the spring game and, uh, you know, I think it's a process that's going to, you know, go through, but I, I have confidence in Kevin and what he's going to be able to do. Yeah. You, you, so you mentioned something interesting to me. I, I'm thinking about it from like a purely fundamental standpoint. You know, we talk about schemes and all this stuff, but it's, it's guys, hands, feet, legs, butts yeah. and muscles have got to make it happen. So three point stance. So, so you mentioned that, right? Because in the, in the air raid, big wide splits and even your guards are up on two they're basically a tackle in space because of the yeah. wides so so that's a big adjustment really for the interior offensive lineman right right and then two just the uh the mentality a lot of those times are set up to be one-on-one -on -one matchups a lot of times in in the passing game and even in the run game too um but now you shift to more um you know the protection uh the variances of slide protection, uh, going back in protection, all those kind of things, uh, zoning off certain sides of protections um, that you have to do in a normal um, traditional offense. Okay. So for you as a coach, where you've had a spring, a summer, and now you're in fall, they do have a bunch of vet. It's like all seniors and grad seniors, multiple grad seniors that are right. all going to play for. That's like their first seven are all seniors and grad right. seniors. Yep. So when you see that, and, and we got to go hand on the ground more, we're closer together. So we got to really operate like like a zone defense in basketball. We we operate as one unit. How tough is that transition? Do as some people are saying, are they going to have to play a game or two before they really figure it out, or or do you see it as a coach of we can coach that up and they can be ready to go game one? Yeah, there there's nothing like going against a. Uh, an opponent from a different color jersey that you're going to have to play against. Sure. Um, and the variances, you know, you get kind of used to, you know, I know Coach Arnett and the defensive scheme that they have um, is really good and really multiple, but you kind of, you know, see the same blitzes, same things right. that you're going to have to deal with. Now, all of a sudden, you're having to run an entirely new offense with an entirely new set of uh, schematics that you're going against. And really, the first uh, two games, there's always unknowns because those coaches are off, you know, what in Arizona, Southeast Louisiana, they've been scheming some stuff up too. So there's yeah. going to be a lot of new things that are going to get thrown at them. Um, you know, so I think anytime that it's, you know, this drastic of a shift, you know, there's going to be some, some things that are going to have, you know, real time uh, adjustments that have to be made. Um, but I do think having, you know, a coach as high quality um, as Coach Barbet and a lot of returning older guys, you know, I think that helps. But I think, you know, um, 
Yeah, it's, it's going to be a mentality shift. It's going to be a lot of things that they're going to have to adjust uh, on the fly. And, uh, you know, I want, one of the good things I was looking at the schedule, eight home games uh, with those cowbells ringing, you know, hopefully that's got to that's got to lend some, you know, s- some help as well. Sure. And I know you know a lot about them. I, I saw the mayhem on your shirt. I have yep. since since you were the D.C. at State all those years ago, you've since gone and been a head coach at multiple places. Sure. But I'll never forget the psycho defense, you know, yeah. and the and scream. And since then, coach, I've heard a lot of other people say in high schools and other stuff saying psycho defense. And I think now, wait a minute. Now, that's Jeff's. That's his yeah. thing, but but other people are using it. I don't know if you knew that. I, I didn't know that, but any <laughs> you know, I think any kind of um, thing like that is flattery. And uh, you know, we had a we had a great run there, and uh, I have such fond memories of Startville and you know the fan base and all those kind of things. I've still uh, yet since I left there, I think what the end of 2014 have found any breakfast place that replicates Starkville Cafe, duck butter. And I try to try to find that experience <laughs> replicated everywhere I go. I, I just haven't found it. So I guess one of those eight home games, I need I need to make a trip. Yes, you do. You come on oh. in there, you know, and you'll have a crowd. People s- certainly remember those years so fondly. Sure. Uh, I was thinking about the 14 year uh, this morning. I shared it on Twitter when I was getting yep. ready to interview you. It just reminded me. You know, that LSU game in 14, that was such a big deal. And I saw you on the hotel. This is hours and hours before you even go to the stadium. And I said, you feel good about tonight? You were like, yeah. I mean, it was the the Jack. You you guys knew you had a really good team before anybody else realized it in 14. You did. And we had built to that. And, uh, you know, just everything came together. The leadership on both sides of the ball. Anytime you have Dak Prescott as your quarterback, uh, and Bernard McKinney is your Mike linebacker. You know, you got a you got a chance. And yeah. uh, you know, I know there's a bunch of guys that are still playing in the league um, off of that team. But uh, ju- just fond memories and uh, love that place. Hey, you mentioned a minute ago one on one matchups, and yeah. I I hadn't even thought of it. But when you said that, immediately I get this picture that game against LSU in '14. I remember he had the big you know four down stop on the goal line. Yep. You guys put Preston Smith who's a linebacker, edge rusher in the NFL at nose guard in that game. And it sort of confuses them because they're in a passing third down. Well, they, they're thinking, well, he's inside. We're going to single him up. Well, you couldn't single him. It was yep. brilliant putting him at nose and, that game. And having Chris Jones, true freshman year, he was our edge rusher in our Prowler package. And uh, so that game was actually on TV. Uh uh, one of the replays on SEC Network, and yeah. uh, tried to get my daughter to watch it, and uh, you know, so she would think I was cool, but obviously that didn't work. But uh, <laughs> that, that was a great night. Oh man, Kylie Preston Smith at nose. Yep. Chris Jones off the edge. Bernard yep. McKinney in the middle. Um, Pretty good. I guess what I'm, I'm, I'm. It feels like I'm kind of driving towards its players, not scheme. Is that what we're driving towards right there? A lot of times it is, you know, the better players you got, the better chance you got. And, uh, you know, I said earlier about the the quarterback that they have, he's a really good player. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think the the NFL is, um, you know, the the spread has evolved into the NFL, but still you're watching the NFL network all the time. 50% of the time they're under center. So him having that exposure to be under center uh, a lot of the times is going to help him too um, for when he gets to the next level. 
So I got to imagine, you know, he, he's embraced, um, you know, that and in this entire conversation, um, utmost respect for Coach Leach. I've got three of his books uh, sitting over here in my Mississippi State corner. And, uh, you know, just the, the respect that everybody has for him. And, um, you know, even though the air raid is uh, pass heavy, pass emphasis, you know, Coach always talked about the discipline, the toughness, all of those things are built into that program. And they're built into that place over in Starville too. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that they want to see a physical tough brand of ball on both sides. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, Kevin Barbet, you know, brings that. Yeah. So, all-time great book title, in my mind, Squib Kick It to a Fat Guy. Only Mike Leeds would come up with that. It's perfect. Right. He's the best. He's, He's the best. Yeah. Um, hey, real, real quick, you know, back to the line of scrimmage transition sure. thing, and we'll finish with this. When you got the head coaching job at Georgia Tech back in the day, sure. this was the inverse. You're, you're taking over a program at that point. They'd run the Paul Johnson midline veer option. I don't know what you want to call it. And they um, ran it really well. Really well. And, look, yep. I rem- Coach, we'd watch them play. You know, we played them a couple times like in 09 and then bowl game. And you watch them, and their linemen are down there like this high off the ground, firing off ahead, hitting people. It's a totally different style. Yep. That you guys were kind of transitioning into what is we call, I mean, you know, a modern offense, but certainly a more typical spread type of offense. And and before the portal existed, you know, so it's one of those things. Right. It's what it is. Um, and I think one of the pieces too with Kevin's offense, you know, we walked into a system that had zero tight ends on the roster. And trying to find those guys, whether it be a reserve linebacker, which we we made the transition uh, to help us to get through the first year, or really the first two years, because there was no portal. So you had to build it from scratch. It was all true freshmen playing tight end. Luckily, we got a grad transfer. But the tight end position um, is going to be huge. The development and the maturation um, of that position, you know, transitioning um, to Coach Barbe's offense as well. And, uh, you know, I don't think that can be, you know, overlooked. That That's a, you know, it's a unique situation to be in, but the the long term of investing in it, you know, will pay off. But just yeah. understanding that it is, it's going to be a process. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, got the right guys to do it and just the mentality shift, you know, when you're running a gap scheme, running a power on third and one, it's different. You know, and the tight ends one-on-one base block on a nine technique or six technique, you know, it, it takes cumulative reps, you know, to be really good. And and I know you know this better than anybody, but that SEC's got some real dudes on defense that you got to try to block. And, uh, you know, so it's going to be uh, fun to watch, but I'm going to be pulling for, for State and Kevin and Tony Hughes and David Turner and Chad Bumpus and uh, Greg Knox all back in Startville. Um, so that place got a fan in me. Zach really has put together a fantastic staff, hasn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. It was good to see those 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 guys come back and uh, you know, because I'm close to all those guys and um just to see them, you know, come together and support him. Cause going from defense coordinator to being the the head ball coach, that's a transition as well. And having a bunch of really good, loyal people that are good humans and they want to see uh, what's best for that place. Um, you know, I think that that sets, you know, Zach up um, for success in the short term and the long term as well. Yeah. 
Really good stuff. Jeff, it's been a real treat. I appreciate it. The only disappointment in the interview is I'm disappointed in myself that I didn't put a piece of tape on my cup and say juice across <laughs> here. I'll have to think of that next time. There's no <laughs> doubt. I got my swag chalice over there in the corner, too. Swag chalice? Okay. Yeah. Yep. That's great. <laughs> and a cowbell. Can't go wrong yep. with either one of those. No doubt. Appreciate really it. Do, really do appreciate it, Coach. Talk soon. All right, Matt. All right, that's uh, my conversation earlier with Jeff Collins, uh, former Mississippi State defensive coordinator there. We kind of touch on that. But, you know, then since he went to Florida and then he went to be the head coach at Temple, uh, was a head coach at um, uh, Georgia Tech. He's out of coaching this year, um, kind of still living off that contract of you know being let go at Georgia Tech and getting to have some great family time that he actually hasn't had over the years. Just a great guy. He's kind of got a few – if he wants to do media, he can do that. He can be back in coaching real soon also. Um, But some perspective there on this question, and that is State's offensive line. So he's coming from, you know, obviously years of experience coaching, but also coaching and going to Georgia Tech when they were going to transition from – Offense had done one specific specialty thing and didn't necessarily have personnel right off the back, and he didn't have a he didn't have a transfer portal back then to quickly transition it into a more spread zone style of offense that you know spread option offense that uh, you know we typically see and everybody's recruiting to. And he said it sounded like to me and listening to him, he thinks there will be a period of transition for the whole offense and particularly the offensive line. He thinks there will be. How quick it takes, kind of up to them and up to the coaches. So give me your thoughts on that, and we'll hit those when we come back. Just getting started on this Thursday in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Stick around. It's often difficult to satisfy that special hunger. Not here, because you've got Matt Wyatt. Oh, I am starving. Don't worry, he's got a menu full. Alrighty, back with you. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team, they are your home team at Farm Bureau. You can text me on the country-pleasing text line. Country pleasing sausage on grocery store shelves all around the southeast. It's the best. As I told you yesterday, I am in on some uh, jalapeno and cheddar and the original smoked sausage flavor. That's what I got going on at the house right now. Uh, speaking of country pleasing, Hill Dog texted the show with a little story here, and he said, "Hey Matt, it's a true country pleasing testimonial." I lived uh, in Mississippi my whole life, and six years ago, moved to New Bern, North Carolina. New Bern, it's two words. It says, I make the trip to Brandon, Mississippi at least twice a year to visit family. I always get two pepper jack and green onion and some three cheese sausage. He says, well, a few years ago, turned a buddy of his on to three cheese and, of course, had to bring him some back on the next trip from Mississippi. He says, Matt, I have gone from a small cooler bag full to a 25-gallon cooler <laughs> and filling it full my last trip. I'm coming back in October. My son and his wife are having their first child, and I may have to upgrade the size of my cooler again. Country pleasing is needed, he says, in North Carolina. 
Signed, Go Dogs from Hill Dog, who's in New Bern, North Carolina. Well, thanks for so much for the story, and I'm going to pass that along, all right, to the fine folks at Country Meat Packers on Highway 49 in Florence, Mississippi. I will do it. All right, so what do you think about the uh, thoughts from Jeff Collins, former defensive coordinator at State, head coach around college football? Let's see what you think about that. Um, let, me, let me back. we got a lot of comments on the live thread here for the show the uh, live comments thread got it all in one thread right here on the live stream so let me pull these up for you right here um jimmy commented on youtube says man i don't know why you don't like interviews you do a fine job that was great <laughs> well i thank you very much no i i guess you know what jimmy i i don't like or necessarily even believe in obligatory interviews and like with this this is a genuine thing and maybe that's why it comes across as you know you enjoyed it and then maybe it's why i would do a better i don't know job of having a conversation with someone one is i know jeff and then the other is i guess a genuine thing right there's this conversation going on out there about offensive line stuff and i've got an opinion a thought on it but but somebody who's really been in the trenches at practices and games in multiple schools and different systems might have a really a more keen perspective. So I was genuinely interested to hear what he had to say about that stuff, right? So as long as it doesn't feel like we're doing interviews because we're obligated to fill some time with you on the radio, if I can, if I really got a purpose, really something I want to talk about, then uh, it makes a lot of sense. And I don't, Jimmy, you know, I don't mean this. In uh, you know any sort of selfish way at all, but what I do feel like a lot of times, it's only a two-hour radio show that that I do here with you, and a lot of times in that amount of time, I feel like if it's a football or a sports topic, a lot of times, you know, I'm pretty confident in what I see and what my evaluation is. I don't necessarily need you know to ask questions, but when I do, I will. And then I also sometimes feel like, you know, if you tune into my show, it probably shouldn't be all interviews, right? Because you probably want to hear what I have to say on some stuff, too. <laughs> so there's a there's a fine line, and I appreciate the encouragement, and I probably should do more of that for sure. And uh, maybe maybe because of you, Jimmy, and that encouragement, maybe I'll make that effort. Blind Squirrel enjoyed it, said excellent interview. Uh, Percy commented on Facebook here on the uh, live comments thread. <clears throat> Percy says, good interview with Coach Collins. Just believe this group of offensive line at State will be successful in the new system. As an old O-line coach, it was harder to teach pass pro than run block schemes. He says, now that was a few years ago, and he signed at Hale State. Thanks, Percy. I appreciate you listening, and thanks for your comments. Jason in Flagstaff, Arizona, has been saying in pointing to that week two game against Arizona as potentially a trouble spot. And sometimes he's brought up, you know, what if you got to get two or three games under your belt as an O-line to really start to kind of figure it out and be consistent and that sort of thing. And Arizona's an improved team and they got a very mobile quarterback, all that, you know. So he commented, he said, bingo. The first two games, he says, is why I've been pointing at that Arizona game and telling people not to just chalk it up. And he says, enjoy your short-lived cold front. Yeah, it's out of here pretty much. By, by tonight, it's out of here. <laughs> and, and in regards to the interview with Coach Collins, Jason said he just explained in much better detail and technical terms what I've been saying for six months. Folks are expecting nine to ten wins. 
second and third in the West are fooling themselves. And that's according to Jason in Arizona. He doesn't see it playing out that way uh, this year. Uh, Blind Squirrel commented on the YouTube comments thread and says, I've always heard great things about Coach Collins. Allegedly, it's a little easier to say now that he isn't at Georgia Tech, but Jeff seems to be genuinely a good person. Yeah, he is, man. Great guy. Like, you love to play for him. You know, and I'll tell you, Blind Squirrel, he's one of those that, so when things, you know, they did, a, they did a pretty decent job. And it was not an easy situation. He took over, right, in that transition at Georgia Tech. And it would have been easier if it was going on now because transfer portal, you can, you know, ship guys out, ship guys in, and help everybody out, and it's a little smoother deal. Um, that's no excuse, and he wouldn't make that excuse. But to give you an example, when things fell apart last year at Georgia Tech, Jeff, if you look closely, he wasn't one of these guys who was looking out for himself. He worked really hard to help everybody on his staff, everybody like on-field, off-field staff, everybody that was out of there that had come in there to be with him. His first priority was to do everything possible to find them all a good transition in another landing spot before he even worried about himself. And in today's era, that is rare, rare, rare. And so, you know, I think a lot of the guy. Uh, Aaron commented on Facebook, said the O-line are road graders, but we're in the air raid, so I don't think they'll have that much of a problem. Okay, Aaron, yeah, I'm, I'm a little in there too. Like, I'm not over here on this one side of they are absolutely going to struggle. No offensive line, no matter who they are, can come out of the air raid in the very next year, be, you know, 50% run or more, <laughs> whatever that percentage is going to be, and tighter splits and have success. It can't have. I'm not there, but I'm also not in the camp of, ah, uh, it'll be easy, nothing to it. Here's where I am on it. One, State is really fortunate that in this transition, they've got really good, versatile players. Prime example, Nick Jones. The only spot on the whole offensive line that dude hasn't played is center, and that's just because they always had a center. He's played every position on the O-line and played it well. He's actually built like a prototypical guard, like a really athletic guard. But because he's so athletic, he's played tackle and played it well. Dollar Bill Johnson has played right guard, left guard, right tackle, left tackle. Cameron Jones has played them all. So, and they're all old. If you look at your first seven or eight, you got one sophomore or whatever he is in there. And the rest of them are seniors and grad seniors. So they're really fortunate that in the transition, they are very experienced. And you do have Cole Smith, the play center, who is a prototypical zone run block center, and a backup in LaSoya, who's a prototypical guard slash backup center, and Nick Jones, you know, and all these things. They're fortunate. They keep them healthy. They're fortunate. But as Coach Collins said, the reality is they will be a better, more effective offensive line in week three than they will be in week one. They got to go do it against somebody. And how well they're coached by Coach Friend and Barbe will have a lot to do with it. Sven was commenting on the YouTube comments thread here about uh, Coach Collins when he went to Georgia Tech, and he says he didn't have the right guys at Georgia Tech. 
team was absolutely horrible, to be honest. Um, Blind Squirrel said he agrees that he kind of inherited a mess over there. A mess on the flats, huh? <laughs> Chuck commented and said, Matt, I respect your opinion, but I consider the green onion to be the pinnacle of sausage greatness. Yeah, everybody has their favorites if you've tried a few. And, um, <clears throat> I, you know, I'm going out on a limb here and different than everybody else. But, Chuck, let's just say if tomorrow, if, if, yeah, i got to be careful saying this because people will take it wrong way and run with it. Hi, total hypothetical. This isn't happening. But if you were to wake up tomorrow and something had happened and they go, we're not making jalapeno and cheddar anymore, then immediately black pepper and cheddar would be my favorite. So I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, I'm just a fan of some types of pepper. Jalapeno, black pepper. Maybe, But the, if you haven't had the black pepper and cheddar, get your hands on it. Trust me. Blind Squirrel said somebody send Jeff Collins some country please and sausage. We ought to do that. We just might make that happen. All right. Rolling along with you. Something, by the way, something happened yesterday afternoon on the radio. If you listen live in the afternoons in the Jackson and Metro area that uh, you might have missed. And I, I have a comment about that. When we come back, plus your texts on the country pleasing text line, more of your comments on the live stream, all of that and more. And you can call me. Phone lines are open. Call me on the Divinity phone. I'll give you those numbers coming up. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Stay with us. Got it all for you. Just listen to that. All right. Back with you in the bureau. I think Will is right. He said, yeah, my, my two favorite flavors are jalapeno and cheddar and black pepper and cheddar. And Will said, just sounds like you're a fan of cheddar, man. <laughs> that, that might be it. Um... Debbie is a fan of pork and pineapple flavor. She said it, she called it the bomb diggity. And so anytime y'all want to use the word bomb diggity here on the show, just feel free. You got, you know, creative license, go right ahead. It'll make, we'll make it make sense and we'll put it on the air. Bomb diggity is a very underused word, in my opinion, <laughs> in the English language. Nick texts the show, country pleasing text line, says our local meat market makes a, what do you call it, dill pickle and jalapeno sausage, and boy, is it good. Ooh, I bet. I bet. Hey, speaking of that, I just had some dill pick or pickle chips. They're, they're potato chips that are pickle flavor. Beaver, you ever had pickle flavored chips? I think, I think I have. Okay. Dill pickled chips. Yeah. Uh, I think I have, but I guess I didn't like them because I can't. Right. I haven't had them since. You, you hadn't gone out in search of them, uh, in other words. 
years and years ago, Beaver. Here's this is how crazy a person's memory can be. Okay, so you say right there you can't remember a specific time of going and looking for pickle chips. I can remember the year. It was 25 years ago, 1998. I know the apartment I was living in there off of Montgomery Street in Starkville as a student athlete. I was um, uh, living with uh, my roommate Paul Mooney. There was a gas station right next to it. I remember going in there, and there on display, Beaver, was a package of I think it was, I think it was Golden Flake potato chips, and it was cheeseburger. Huh. Yeah, cheeseburger flavored chips, and I got them, and it was delicious. And never since then have I ever seen another bag of cheeseburger flavor. I mean, I could taste the bun, the burger, the cheese, and the pickle. I could taste it all. <laughs> Those was the best bag of potato chips I've ever gotten. And I don't. Think I would I, like to try that. You would love it. It tasted like just a plain old like if you were to go Beaver to the McDonald's drive-through and like get a Happy Meal with a cheeseburger in it. That's what it tasted like, that cheeseburger. That's what it tasted like. We got a fan on the uh, Country Pleasing text line of the three cheese-flavored Country Pleasing sausage. It is really good now. It's a treat also. You, you would like that. All right. Hey, Beaver, this involves you. I made a statement earlier that I was going to have a comment about something that happened on the radio Right here, if you're listening live on 105.9 The Zone uh, in Jackson, yesterday afternoon. Reportedly, both by word of mouth and social media, according to both sources, Chris Brooks himself was on the radio live with Jake Wimberly for, a, for an extended period of time yesterday. Confirm or deny that, if you don't mind confirming that for me, Bill. <laughs> I refuse. But I will say, yes, he was. Was this like a special occasion? Did this require, like, twisting his arm? How in the world did y'all... Number one, how in the world did y'all get Chris to be on the radio, let alone come do it in person, let alone for an extended period of time? Well, because... Because... As we learned yesterday, apparently there's a brand new Chris Brooks. Chris Brooks really? came in here and everything was different about this man. And I say that because he was supposed to be here at 4. He was going to be with us 4 to 6. He got. I expected him fully to come in about 4.08. The man showed up at about 5 till. So he was on time. That's number one difference. Yeah. I've never never known him to be on time when he tells us he's coming in. <laughs> so there's number one. Then this man came in, and he made statements like, well, first off, he referred to himself like six minutes into the show. He referred to himself as third person, in the third person. <laughs> he told you very specifically that he is an expert. Okay, on what? On high school and junior college football, everything that was being discussed. Cause really? Because the, the overall reason here for him to come in was his magazine is coming out, I think it's supposed to be today. Okay. 
maybe tomorrow. But so he was coming in to talk about his magazine, give a preview of the upcoming, you know, high school season and such. Yeah. But yeah, and he was getting lippy, man. He uh he called himself an expert. He said he he knows everything <laughs> about high school and junior college teams in the state. He <laughs> told Jake Wimberly to his face, "You need to get in shape. You're fat." <laughs> Oh, you're serious? Yes. Oh, <laughs> <That> boy, Chris. <laughs> Which is not true. Jake is not fat by any stretch. But for Chris to just come right out and say it to him. So you're telling me that it's like like Chris has all of a sudden gotten, like, I don't know, like confident bordering on arrogant or something? It's Yeah. That's a good way to put it. That is wild because it's sort of the opposite of what he always was when he had the show here with you but i tell you one thing that hasn't changed though that man can it's hard to get him to stay on topic <laughs> he was jumping around oh yeah <laughs> that's great <clears throat> well look you know i i'm just i guess i'm just gonna be honest here okay i'm gonna put this out there beaver there have been some times here in the recent past that I have reached out to Chris about either being on this show to discuss something or to maybe come and be in the studio and do this show. I even offered to pay him okay, to come and do this show. I don't mean like to pay him to be a guest, but paid him to host it when I was going to be out. I have not yet found what would work. What would be successful in getting Chris to come on my show? And I'm starting to become, I, I, I would, okay, this is where this is coming from. I began to become a little insecure thinking, man, have I made Chris mad at some point? Have I said, some, did I go too far picking on him or did I say something that, like, I don't, I don't know if I've made him mad, but I can't get him to come on the show. And then he pops up and he hangs out with Jake in the studio for two hours yesterday. Well, now let me let me try to comfort you. Okay. Because I think I think we're prob we're probably dealing with the same Chris Brooks. I think all these what seemed like changes yet were just specific to yesterday because Okay. He also said that in the past two nights he had slept a total of like an hour. <laughs> So, so I think delirious? a lot of this, yeah, I think so. I think a lot of it was from deliriousness. <laughs> so, because I remember when you tried to get him to fill in, it was earlier this summer. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he had actually slept the night before. Yeah, well, in, in his defense, he was like going on vacation and all at the same time. <laughs> so I'm only halfway kidding. But I'm a little jealous that he would come and hang out for two hours and just willy-nilly and promote the magazine and all that kind of stuff. I just don't think he wants to talk to me. So, that's all. Chris, wherever you are, I, it's just being honest. Okay? Uh, just being, And here's the thing. Chris, I didn't know. I would have called you and talked to you about this personally, Chris, if you're listening. But I didn't know about any of this until kind of like right before we came on the air and I didn't have time to call you. Okay? So, Chris, if you're listening, unless I hear from you, I'll be getting in touch with you. I got to get to the bottom of this. I don't know what the deal is. 
I, I really thought you were about to say, unless I hear from you, I'm going to assume that you don't like me. <laughs> you th- maybe I should go that route. All points bulletin. Chris Brooks, putting a word out. If I don't hear from you, Chris, I'm just going to assume you're ticked off. <laughs> I like Beaver's approach better. It's more entertaining. All right, listen, uh, the hour is just about up, but we're not done today. We've got another hour to go, so plenty of time to kind of get into some of this. And over here, uh, let's talk about it. Over here on the live stream, Will is on the YouTube feed, and he says uh, that he missed part of the show yesterday. Did we talk about Missouri passing the name, image, and likeness law that lets high school seniors get name, image, and likeness money but only if they commit to an in-state school. Well, well, we have talked about that. I, you know, whenever the news came out, I didn't. I saw it. I didn't really cover much in terms of the recruiting. But he points it out. There's this number one defensive lineman in the country. He goes to a high school in Missouri, so he commits to Missouri. He's already making money in high school off his name, image, and likeness. That's the law in Missouri. He just. It's an is what it is. Okay, it's not the University of Missouri's fault. They're doing what they can do. They always, every school is going to use what it has to its advantages to try to recruit with. My question is for you is it time for Mississippi and its lawmakers to look at the environment and pass its own law that is similar? What do you think? Hour two coming up. Stick around. <laughs> 